Hey, I'm lead pastor Noel Petras, and welcome to the Exit Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a home in the family of God, or feel called to be a part of a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in the Veterans Memorial Building at 324 North Cahuilla Avenue. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or find us on social media. Thanks for listening. I really felt like the Lord gave me um, a word for, for you guys outside of the sermon, outside of the text for you guys here at Exeter Valley. And, it, and it's my prayer for you all is that this body, that this, this local church here in, in Exeter, that the leaders here, that Pastor Noel would be a, a, a leader ultimately love God first and love people second. And I pray that those same attributes and, and char- characteristics that Radiant, how they really care for the, uh, the people, Noel would demonstrate towards you guys, that the leaders here would demonstrate that, those characteristics and attributes, that they, they love God and they love you. Because we need each other. We do. You need each other. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we need each other. We need community. And I pray for a a radical love of Christ for one another in this place. That this city would see the love in this place and they would know you by your love towards one another. And like Pastor Noel had said, I'm a part of an outreach ministry called Rama Revival. I mean, we'll go to anywhere we could pitch up a tent, preach the gospel. We've, we've baptized people right on the corner of the road in the rain. And it's, and it's pretty cool to see people coming to salvation just on the street, right? It's, it's part of the Great Commission. And we, we believe that we are the church all other six days of the week, not just on Sunday. Uh, so we take that to the streets. Amen. Um, so, yeah, I'm truly humbled to, to be with you this morning to preach the Word of God and to spend some time with you. <laughs> and when Noel gave me this text to preach from, I was, I was quickly like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to nail it. This is going to be so good, right? E- easy text, cool. And to my surprise, <laughs> the Holy Spirit had other plans. Um, don't you love it that when you get all excited, you get into the Word of God, you got your coffee or whatever, you got tea, and you're pumped to get into the Word, and the next thing you know, that, that frown turns upside down. You're like, oh man, why did I open up my Bible? Holy Spirit was definitely speaking to me. And um, so, yeah, we're in Matthew 26, and we'll start on verse 57. And if you have your Bible, um, you can open up. Um, it's sure it's going to be on, yep, on the screen. Perfect. Matthew 26, verse 57. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. So at this point, Jesus is captured. 
Judas Iscariot has betrayed Jesus. The disciples have all scattered, just as it was written, they would. But Peter chose to follow at a distance. And he wanted to see what was going to happen. He wanted to see the end of this. Now, just before this, Jesus just prophesied Peter's denial. But still, he chose to follow, right? At a distance, Jesus just told him he would deny him. And it seems Peter, you know, we know Peter and his character and how he is. It seems like he was trying to prove his, his loyalty by still following, but at a distance. While everyone else, all the other disciples, they all dispersed. Think about that. The one you call rabbi, the one you have been following for the last few years, witnessing all the healings, you've witnessed all the miracles, you've seen Jesus cast out all these demons, tells you, you will deny me three times. Peter even said just before this text, if they fall away, he would not. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. But this was just the start of that prophecy of his denial by him following at a distance. I love this quote from Frederick uh, D. Bruner. And he says, we either follow Jesus closely or we do not really follow him at all. That will sting. That will cut. And we see Peter's following at a distance is seen as a compromised discipleship. You follow Jesus or you don't. And there was a point in my life, I stepped back. I stepped back and I didn't follow Jesus. And it's easy for us to slip in that compromised state. We can get comfortable. We can make all kinds of excuses to not seek his face. Don't pray. Don't go to church. Don't read the word. Follow at a distance. Or fear of what the world might say about us if they saw us, if they saw you following so closely. Would you be belittled? Would you be mocked? Would you be insulted or lose your status? Peter was fearful of being identified with Jesus. And, but in Peter's defense, he didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. He didn't receive that spirit of boldness that we know him for after Pentecost. Matthew 26, 59 through 63 says, Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? 
what is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. When Jesus is brought to this makeshift trial, this ain't a legitimate trial. There were many who came as false witnesses, meaning there are many liars that are standing against him. There were many who came and lied about him so that they could find fault to kill him. But what was Jesus' response to that? What was his response to the, to the lies, to the, to the accusations, to the false witnesses? What was his response? Silence. What? That blows my mind. How? In the midst of these false accusations, Jesus stayed silent. He didn't defend himself. He didn't give an explanation. He didn't respond with the urge to be right. He was silent. And how many of us, when we're facing these allegations, when we're facing many lies, when there are people, people spreading lies about us, if you're anything like me, I am quick to open my mouth and defend myself. To, to attempt to save my reputation. And just recently, I've had to face that at my job. People accusing me of things I did not commit. And my natural response was, open your mouth, say something. I want to get into defense real quick. So ready to start defending my reputation because it's an attack on my integrity. And how does that make you feel when someone brings a false accusation against you? I mean, I'm sure we've all been there and to some degree, some, some lie, some accusation. It hurts, doesn't it? I get upset and I quickly want to defend myself. Anyone ever brought anything to you before? A lie against you? They accused you? And to think these supposed people are supposed to be his people. The very people that have been waiting for the coming Messiah. He's betrayed by Judas, one of his, one of his own disciples. He's betrayed by his own people. His disciples flee and desert him. For example, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, right? It would be the equivalent of all of you putting me on a makeshift trial to get me killed. That's absurd, isn't it? That's, I can't even fathom that. And it's probably a bad example using you guys, but... You get the point, though, right? I mean, that's crazy. His own people. An interesting fact on why they didn't just condemn Jesus right away 
But they waited when two witnesses came forth. And it's kind of odd, right? Because it's a makeshift trial anyways. They're, they're, they're seeking false testimony anyway. So what's the point of waiting for two witnesses? I, I kind of found it odd and a little weird, right? Like, why? But in Deuteronomy, because we know these Pharisees, the, the Sanhedrin, they were well-versed in Old Testament law, right? We know this. And in Deuteronomy 17.6, it says, On the evidence of two witnesses, or three witnesses, the one who is to die, which is in this case Jesus Christ, shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. There needed to be two to fulfill Scripture. In Isaiah 53, 7, Isaiah says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened his mouth not. The prophet Isaiah prophesied, Jesus, the Messiah, he would be silent. He would not open his mouth. And it came to be. And I can't help but think in this moment, Jesus is the prime example of self-control. He doesn't lash out. He doesn't defend his integrity. If there was a time to lash out, in righteous anger, the time is now. He just got betrayed by his people. He was deserted. They fled. He is a man who knew no sin. Yet he stills, still stays silent. He is in complete control of his emotions, his behavior even though he's in the middle of this chaos and adversity. Everyone has betrayed him, but he remains silent. That blows my mind. How? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And I believe we see all those things in that very moment with Jesus. He's not angry. He's patient and waits for the right time to speak. He's faithful to what God has declared through the prophets and is in self-control. Lord, give us that wisdom to remain silent when we need to be, because I tend to open my mouth when I shouldn't. I'll be the first to admit, and I'm guilty of that. And I think we all need it. We need the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew 26, verse 63 to 68, it says, 
And the priest, the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? His own people that he came to deliver. Jesus remains silent in the midst of evil and adversity. But when he is adjured on his identity, he speaks and affirms the claim that he is the son of man and he will be at the right hand of power. And it seals his fate as the third witness. He knew what he was doing. He was completely aware. Jesus is echoing the prophet Daniel. In Daniel 7, 13 through 14, it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. He has a kingdom, and it will not be shaken. It shall not be destroyed. They thought they could destroy his body, but now he sits at the right hand of power with the Father, an everlasting dominion. And what's beautiful, what's truly amazing about this, about this reality, this everlasting dominion is a dominion we will inherit with Jesus. What awaits us is that kingdom that will not fade away, that will not perish. A dominion we will inherit as sons and daughters. A kingdom we will share with Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, Let not your hearts not be troubled. Believe in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And he has gone before us and he has prepared a place for you, for me. And maybe some of you are facing 
some difficult hardships. Maybe you have been betrayed. Maybe you have been deserted. Maybe you have been struck and you feel defeated. And I want to invite you this morning to come receive prayer. Worship team, would you come up, please? Leave it at the feet of Jesus. He is the one who is able. And through his sacrifice, through his wounds, we are healed. I don't know if some of you here this morning may feel like you've been following at a distance. But this morning, embrace him. Hold fast to him. Grab onto him. No more following at a distance. Choose today. He is worth it. Amen. Hey, hey, it's Pastor Noel again. Just wanted to say thanks so much for joining us here at the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. And don't be afraid to join us in person on a Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. at the Exeter Memorial Building.